Welcome to Speak with Eve. I'm your host, Eve Eurydice, and today's guest is Alexis Mascherella. Alexis is a second-year law student. She and I have been talking about it, so we want to bring the audience in our conversation. Welcome to the show, Alexis. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it because I think I will learn a lot. <laughs> Yes, there's a lot to learn, that's for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, um, I am most horrified, if that's the right word, by, by child sex robots. So I will want to ask you about that at some point. But I think we can just start with um, an overview of where we are in terms of, you know, sex robots and where the technology is and what's available. So, uh, you know, it's clear. I mean, what I do know is that Europe's first like sex robot brothel <laughs> opened in Barcelona and that there is a, a, a talking sex robot called Harmony. Uh, the names are all very interesting, right? Uh, that, that's built in California. So, um, and also something else that, that has, you know, strikes me very much is that the people who interact with these robots and, of course, the designers, um, you know, the, the people who make them, uh, speak of them in, in terms of gender, right? So it's like a she mm-hmm. or a he. It's never an it. Uh, they, mm-hmm. you know, they humanize them it, 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 pretty much instantaneously. So there, there are already conversations of like... Um, you know, whether, you know, just because, whether just because a robot is a machine, uh, they, they, they shouldn't have to like give consent. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So, yes, it's very interesting, especially, you know, just the sex robot alone is going to, you know, spark so much conversation between us, but also now that you bring up a sex robot brothel, I mean, that's an entirely different conversation to have. Not just, um, let's say, abuse, uh, but mostly uh, alienation, right? Losing mm-hmm. even more our facility with the human body, right? With, with the rights and rituals, the mating rights, right? The, the ways in which we lovingly, uh, you know, are able to, like, engage with each other's bodies. So... Um, yeah, which it, it seems like the internet has already taken us away from that somewhat, you know, with the dating apps and uh, in a million ways, you know, with the screen that, that seems to separate us at all times. I mean, we we think about each other in terms of, of visuals, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think it's good, actually, that you brought up Harmony because um, Harmony is the sex robot that we actually discussed at length. Oh, great. And to give the listeners a little bit more background mm-hmm. on Harmony, Harmony uh, goes for about $6,000. You can buy her online. Uh, she is designed to fulfill the role of a partner for any kind of intimate interaction, and you can customize her from her eye color, makeup style, hairstyle, breast size, genitalia, piercings, freckles. I mean, you could customize her to a T. And it's very interesting, uh, this sex robot in particular, because she has AI paired with her robotic capabilities so that she's able to actually not only look like a human, but she can display these human-like behaviors 
so that people can speak to her and she'll respond. And it won't just be like, you know, pulling a string on a toy with a set response. Harmony will actually learn uh, what you like, develop a personality around you that you would find attractive. And she'll create this illusion that you're actually in, in an emotional relationship with Harmony. And I think the creator of the robot actually said that he wants the user to fall in love with Harmony to the point of wanting to marry her. And I think that's very interesting because they mm -hmm. also say Harmony, using Harmony for only sex is like using your car to only listen to the radio. And that's wow. a, that's a wow. great selling point. But I think it also brings up a lot of problems that we might have too with these robots. Mm -hmm. She's been getting a lot of attention. Um, a lot of like the big news sources that do all kinds of like, you know, sex news and news regarding like robot and AI technology usually cite harmony. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it seems to me that uh, it's, you know, it's something that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, sex usually moves the rest of technology forward, right? So it seems to me that something that will be developed first and then it will be followed by robots to do all kinds of things that now only humans can do, you know, because if you actually get to the place of such intimacy with a machine, then there is a lot more intimacy with a machine to be had, you know, in daily life and a lot less need for intimacy with humans as a result, you know. Um, which to me seems like escapism from like nature and reality. Uh, and also it feeds like, you know, transactionalism, you know, it feeds the understanding of interaction as something that money, you know, can buy, <laughs> uh, that you can purchase, right? Um, mm -hmm. And then, you know, it does raise these questions, speaking of like, you know, consent, let's say, or the value uh, you know, of, of the robot, um, you know, can you like have like death fantasy sex, you know, with this machine um, or, you know, all kinds of like stuff that would be unimaginable um, or, uh, you know, unimaginably, um, you know, brutal and illegal with the living human person uh, could they be done in the privacy of one's, you know, apartment with these with these robots? You know, I don't know. There is actually a, a, a case. I don't know if you uh, learned about it um, of a of a robot uh, called Samantha, and she a sex robot. And I think that um, she had she was abused during sex <laughs> by like a couple uh, mm -hmm. who broke her fingers. And, and, you know, what, whatever, I don't remember exactly what else happened to the machine. Um, but, you know, she was represented as a victim, you know, uh, in the, in the sense like, you know, the way a Me Too woman w would be a victim, right? So, and, and the engineers who, who took her side basically and wrote about this, um, I think, you know, we're using the fact that she's in a human form in a very, you know, beautiful, attractive, idealized, right, human uh, kind of like sculpture. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, using that to, to project on her like a full-blown humanity, right? 
which it's which very makes her a be- which makes her a better product because that's what the client wants. The client wants to call her her, you know. So mm-hmm. you know, more people will buy it if it's not an it, right? So it is interesting. Yeah, what what do you think? You know, this is something we actually talked about at length, which is our human connection to robots before we even got into sex robots. And one thing to think about is people connect to inanimate objects all the time. Like when you're younger and you have that favorite teddy bear, you know, I still have some stuffed animals in my room that I feel attached to from childhood. You know, there's something to be said about humans uh, tend to connect with inanimate objects all the time. But we have a stronger connection to these social robots because especially when they have like human-like qualities and when there's a thing called the caregiver effect, which pretty Mm -hmm. much states that when you nurture a machine that presents itself as dependent, it's going to create a significant social attachment. So there's definitely something to be said about that. And I think you also brought up a very interesting point earlier and I didn't want to lose it where you were talking about whether or not you can perform sexual acts on this robot or do anything with this robot in the privacy of your own home. And I think a huge danger in these robots that are paired with AI technology that listens to you and learns how to respond to you. I mean, this robot is essentially collecting your data. You know, it's recording your voice. Mm -hmm. You know, where does that information go? Does it stay in the machine? I mean, Harmony is connected to an app on your phone. So that data does not remain in the machine. We already know that it transfers to the app on your phone. How else do we know that it's not going back to the manufacturer? You know, how safe are you and how private are your interactions with these sex robots? I think a lot of people overlook the possibility that you could essentially be recorded having sex with these robots, whether it's, you know, uh, vanilla sex or as crazy as you could get, you know, you may be at risk of having your private life exposed. Right. That's the other side of it. And that's very interesting. And the government, I mean, it, it mm-hmm. would take like one, you know, one law enacted by Congress and potentially the government would get access to that information. So, yeah, ethically, uh, philosophically, I mean, I, th- I think that we still don't have a clean definition of what is sex now that sex is no longer connected to procreation. You know, it's it's such a novel development in human history, culture, existence, right? So for millions of years, we had sex and we had babies. Um, and, and one was connected to the other. And then like since the sixties, basically, you know, from the invention of like the pill and the paternity test and then IVF and, and, you know, one thing after the other, you know, now surrogacy, uh, we've got to a place where people of means, um, and this becomes another incentive to make money, right? Which ultimately is what the system wants is to keep us wanting to make money (laughs) but anyway people with money can you know hire a surrogate and hire an egg donor and get the baby they want you know in the lab um, and show up at the hospital and collect it and all of it is legal they don't have like the physical um, you know the, 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 the kind of like 
inseparable bond that happens between, uh, you know, especially mother and child through like the 10 months that this child is her self, right? And then through like the ring of fire, like, you know, adulthood ritual of like, you know, breaking open into two or more beings, right? So uh, instead, you know, that's like subcontracted by, I guess, poorer women <laughs> out. And then the buyers right, of this of this kind of like birthing, you know, procreative exchange can meanwhile um, have intimacy with machines. Um, and, you know, the, the guy who in, invented the, or started whatever Ethereum, uh, Bukharin, I think is his name, has proposed, uh, you know, creating artificial wombs or, 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 you know, uteruses you know, supposedly to like, you know, help women, <laughs> like what help women keep jobs, right? You know, mm -hmm. coding and writing, <laughs> writing code instead of, you know, you know, screaming and, and, and feeling like <laughs> what I think is like the ecstasy of birth. Yeah. Okay. Great. <laughs> How egalitarian, <laughs> you know, make sure women can only do what men can do. But, but in any case, um, it is, you know, it, it is a strange moment because we're so close to it. And the language that, the, you know, the, si the machine makers use is very, very smart, right? Mm -hmm. So they present this sex bot. Uh, the, all, all the different sex bots are, are presented as uh, therapeutic, mostly, right? And, uh, you know, the, the idea is that um, they they create harm limitation. So that instead of, you know, potential harms that could be caused to women or children or sex workers or whatever targeted in, in some form of violence or sexual frustration, uh, instead the robotic models like take the, the, the brunt, right? And, mm -hmm. and or, or the excess, if there is excess of, of, of whatever sexual need. Uh, and also, uh, if you know, when, when men who have um, you know se sexual difficulties um, with uh, all kinds of things, whatever it is, you know, ejaculation, premature, this, that, whatever it is, you know, th the claim is also that these these robots help them, right? Because yes. they don't have the fear of of performing, and you know, there are all kinds of like. Uh, I guess instructions <laughs> that are given by the the companies that sell them, you know, to help them use them as, um, you know, as, as like a sex therapy tool. I think what's problematic about use of sex robots is the inherent nature of human and robot sex is sex with a thing that lacks any subjectivity they lack any kind of autonomy yet they're purposely made to represent a person mm -hmm. and when you pretty much boil down these sex robots to instruments and tools but then continue to refer to harmony as a her and like humanize this thing, as you stated earlier, I feel like respect for humanity is just like completely violated mm. because now you have this thing 
that's viewed as a person, but it's instead used as a tool for their own selfish purposes, whether, you know, they just want to get off or they want to practice and be better instead of respecting something that is humanized. Uh, I just think that's a complete violation of humanity. I mean, you also brought up the straining mm -hmm. of human relationships through, uh, you know, the sale of these sex robots. I mean, there are definitely benefits or, you know, arguments that these robots can be beneficial, but let's just think about the audience itself. Who's going to be purchasing these robots mm -hmm. there. Uh, I think harmony found in their data that the vast majority of their buyers are heterosexual males. Mm -hmm. And this is just their ability to personalize and customize harmony is just further objectification of the female body and mm -hmm. it continues to create these negative body images for mm -hmm. real women. And when you're a sex robot, I mean, no, no woman could, can, can compete with a robot, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, women's bodies change over time. You know, we we, you can't turn us on and off, you know, like with the flick of a switch. Um, I mean, it's the same argument against pornography, mm -hmm. except in this case, I would argue that it's even worse because pornography is not a substitute for a real woman. But these dolls, these robots are introduced as substitutes for women. And like you said in the beginning, this is going to create more alienation and more intimidation between men and women. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. I mean, first of all, we can see that because we have the evidence from uh, online, you know, online porn, right? So there ha there are no studies that I know of, and I and I try to find them. You know, there are no convincing studies yet done, uh, you know, about the efficacy of of sex robots. But the, you know, there are studies that have shown that since the you know. Uh, Kind of explosion in use of of uh, online you know, porn sites. There has been a, a similar explosion in sexual violence uh, and sexual and paraphilia, right? So sexual deviance, let's say. Um, and I think that part of it is that uh, the the viewers who who start super young, you know, they're they're. If you're a preteen and a teen, th that's where you're going to go look, right? It, it's something mm -hmm. that's not discussed. It's the only place you can find. And you can get it on your phone uh, right there in at, in bed at night, right? So mm -hmm. um, this, is, this is like a, a, a million years away from like our parents or grandparents' generation, you know, where it was just like the Playboy magazine. <laughs> um but I think that already, like, you know, porn and also, like, sites like, you know, OnlyFans, uh, you know, created this kind of pornification and dehumanization, you know, of, of sexuality. Because the users and the buyers and the clients are, are you know, mostly male, the, the sellers and the, uh, the objects, you know, the the self-objectifying sellers are women and women are encouraged 
to copy what they see, what the men have seen on the screen. That's what the men want them to do. And the men will usually pay them in one way or another, whether it is with like a ton of attention and love and gifts and time or, you know, with actual money or with, you know, perks and, and breaks and favors and or, or, or whatever it is, you know, the, that transactionality, which I think is really corrupt. And I think it's the... the the main corruption in the heart of the patriarchic system continues. It just goes on and on. It's a way for the system to sustain itself, um, even though everything, you know, the, the rules no longer apply. Like, there is no patriarchy in reality, right? We no longer uh, need to domesticate and, and, you know, like lock up women for the duration of their procreative years, you know, for from like the start of reproductive age to its end, the way that, you know, our ancestors did to make sure that like the one man, one whom like rule, you know, can, can be applied to, to, you know, to make sure that like every man has a womb of his own, right? Because men are not born with one and they had to kind of, you know, get one attached to them artificially through the patriarchy. Okay, so all of those conditions have ended, like, as we said, you know, since the, uh, you know, end of World War II, basically, slowly. <laughs> They've ended. You know, by now, in, in this century, they no longer exist at all. That's why we have serial marriages, and monogamy has become, like, monogamish, and everyone are everywhere around is kind of, like, you know, searching sexually and emotionally and romantically and all of that, right? So, but the the system of, of like, Pro, non-procreators controlling procreators, you know, and I'm going to say inseminators controlling the, the 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 breeders, the people who actually are are the procreators who do, who do all of the work work of it. <laughs> um, that system gets perpetuated through technology now. So the internet, you know, internet porn is one way to perpetuate this extreme, you know, inequality and, and injustice, I think. And now AI and robots is another way, right? So it's pushing us further and further in that direction where the the non-procreators who make money um, control those, you know, who make babies and therefore don't have as much, uh, you know, time or, or focus or whatever to make money. Um, and it's always on behalf of culture against nature, you know, to put it in very, very general terms, you know what I mean? <laughs> in very general terms, yeah. So in, in that big picture of, you know, what feminists, you know, have tried to gain for women, um, this conversation of, of, you know, robot sex um, or... All, all kinds of other, uh, you know, virtual sex, um, you know, matters because it it's in real time changing our understanding of what intimacy and sexuality, you know, can be. And so it puts, I think, women again in a weaker position, you know, in that whole pyramid. Definitely. Uh, I just, you know, when, when, I, when I was reading a lot of the, the notes and uh, journals that 
people involved in robotics have, you know, extensively studied about robots and the ethics and morality. There are, you know, some benefits that they lie now, kind of like what we talked about earlier with, oh, well, it could be a form of practice. But, you know, I, I can only imagine if a young man who has not lost his virginity yet buys one of these sex robots in the hopes that it will recreate the experience of him losing his virginity, I think that's a complete misrepresentation because these sex robots are specifically designed uh, to please the male user. You know, whatever they do to the sex robot is going to, you know, feel so good. And, you know, they're going to get all the responses that they would like. Uh, I haven't seen a sex robot on the market that's supposed to, you know, show otherwise. And if a young man is depending on this sex robot to increase his sexual skill, I'm not sure that's what he's going to get mm -hmm. when he actually has sex with a real woman. Mm -hmm. And it could, it could honestly be scarring for the mm -hmm. both of them. Yeah. Where the young woman is uh, in pain, she feels uncomfortable. And then you have the, the young man uh, conf utterly confused, uh, you know, probably a little embarrassed and traumatized because here he goes in thinking that he's going to be the best of the best. And then you're involved with a real woman who has real feelings and emotions and things are going to hurt, you know, that wouldn't hurt a sex robot with no feelings. And I think that creates something really traumatic for both people involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. But there also are the, the one benefit to sex robots that I could understand is that some people simply are robot fetishists and they just like the idea of having sex with a robot. And I honestly can't find anything really harmful about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, me too. I mean, a hundred percent. But that for now, at least, and you know, un until we get populated by, <laughs> and you know, learn to coexist with robots. For now, that's like a tiny minority. So uh, that's not really an ethical issue. You know, it's it's such a small number, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, I mean, I think that the bigger questions um, are are similar to like you know, computer generated child pornography, right? Well, it's computer generated. Real children don't don't suffer, but it still has a negative impact on on our like moral character and our habits, and it undermines our respect for each other, right? So we agree on that. And you know, what's the difference between that and like the robots, you know, the sex robots? So, um, and then the question becomes, you know, is it appropriate to sell them? to sell sex toys, you know, to all and sundry. Um, you know, is it, conce is it conceivable, for example, that someone, um, well, let's take the, let's segue to child sex robots, right? So child mm -hmm. sex robots are defined as robots designed to look and act like a child. Uh, now, the laws treat child sex robots as sex toys, right? So let us say that someone buys a child sex robot for the same reason that people buy sex toys mostly, which is curiosity. Like, you want to do something different. You know, you go into the 
sex shop, but this is, I guess, an online expensive sex shop, and you want to try something out, right? So that is not necessarily pedophiliac. That is not a person attracted to minors or, um, or, or perhaps who has ever thought it until they see this you know, image, right, and get an inkling to try it out. So um, is, it poten- is it possible that we're manufacturing sex perversion, you know, like s- perverts, basically? Is it, is it possible, is it conceivable that someone uh, buys this toy out of curiosity and in the process of using it, likes it, becomes obsessed with it, and then grows into, you know, becomes a, a, a pedophiliac? Right. So to me, that's conceivable. I definitely agree. I think, you know, I think that a desire to be sexual with a child or anything childlike is a very misguided and immoral desire. And I just don't see, because many make the argument of, oh, these childlike sex robots, they can be using the treatment of pedophilia or maybe just, you know, pure fantasy. But just like, you know, we see in porn as porn becomes more violent towards women that men are, you know, starting to replicate those actions on their real life partners. I don't see how that wouldn't occur also with a user of a child sex robot. Right. It's like the gateway, you know, the gateway drug, right? Uh, so, like, in, in terms of consequentialist reasoning, um, the child robots could lead to something, you know, worse. You see what I mean? The, the consequence uh, where you start with the ch- sex robot that looks like a child and you end up with... And the idea is that, you know, it can help or treat people with pedophilic predilections. Uh, And, you know, what happens to the people who don't have pedophilic predilections, who try it out, and then they do end up with pedophilic predilections because they like it. Because there is something about the, the, you know, defenseless kind of like sweetness and, and, and powerlessness of children that clearly attracts, uh, you know, all kinds of men who, who will not act on it. And we know that from, from the prevalence of, of, you know, porn, of child pornography online, right, which is much more. I mean, many, many more people are, are, are curious, have been caught because they're curious to watch that than people have been, you know, caught who actually have preyed on, on, on minors, right? Um, and there, there is also some argument out there, but you know the research is very unclear that there is already a, a, a more prevalent um, tendency for you know pedophilic interests than there was before. Uh, you know this type of child porn became readily available, where where people could download like thousands of images. So, um, nevertheless, there is no established rule that bans the purchase and or sale you know of any of these right or importation of of any of these sex dolls including you know child sex dolls um even though th- there are strict 
very strict rules about you know child pornography, of course, because they're thought it's thought to lead, to encourage offenses against children in the real world. So what what do you guys uh, discuss or what do you think about the law in this place? Is it appropriate for the law to restrict somewhat or um, or there, there's no room for that really? Personally, I, I hold the view that uh, I think that child sex robots should be banned because I think it's also important for the listeners to understand that you know, these aren't just, you know, children, they're robots. These are toddlers. These are babies. Um, these robots, some of them are programmed to uh, respond to the sexual act and say, no, please don't. They're programmed to cry. I mean, you have the same case in the sex robots who are programmed uh, for cases of rape fantasy where you have, you know, adult female robots that are programmed to cry and say no, but it only becomes arguably more egregious when you have a child, a toddler, a toddler or a baby sex robot. You know, I, I really, my own morals can't justify, um, the purchase of a child sex robot. You know, uh, I feel like there's this innate part of humanity, you know, maybe it's just women, but I feel like, I, I hope that it's humanity. When, when you see something that's tragic about to happen, you know, to a child, I feel like you almost have this innate response to, you know, go and protect that child or, you know, leap out in front of that car, push, you know, something out of the way to, to protect that child at all costs, even if it isn't your own. I mean, we see babies as these really innocent, beautiful creatures. Um, there's something in my morals that yeah. I would I would really like to see a ban of these. Mm -hmm. However, you know, when, when I express this view in my class, my professor, uh, he tends to like to play the devil's advocate. Mm -hmm. And he mm -hmm. said, you know, these are objects made by a manufacturer you know, in order for to get Congress or, you know, any kind of our legislators involved, you better have some data that, you know, backs your position up. And mm -hmm. he told the class that there's currently no data that shows that child sex robots or these robots that are programmed to, you know, recreate a rape fantasy. No data shows that they are harmful or that they encourage this kind of fantasy. Mm -hmm. So there's little to be offered and little to be done right now. Um, maybe there will be as these robots become more accessible to others and they become more affordable. Uh, yeah. But I do think I, I really do think it's a major concern and I'd like to see something be done before it gets to the point where something has to be done. Yeah. 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 Well, it's just like, you know, women who call on their boyfriends or husbands or exes, and nothing can be done until he actually hurts her. You know, it's kind of like mm -hmm. that. You know, someone who has one of these has to hurt a, an actual person in a, in a very similar way or in the exact same way. And even then, it will take, a, you know, a talented lawyer to make that stick, you know, the first time. Um, but there is something I agree. I mean, uh, you know, I'm 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 not uh, you know I'm not a libertarian, but I'm not paternalistic at all. I don't like government to tell me what to do at all. Um, 
but I do think that there is something, uh, you know, there is an issue of like legal moralism, you know, um, like, which is, you know, legal moralism is like how, you know, it's, uh, the law prohibits desecrating corpses, right? So corpses are also like inanimate, right? So uh, there is no actual harm to others, right? right? But there is a symbolic harm, which is why we restrict those acts because they offend us symbolically. Because this, you know, this body, like, has been human, right? So it's not quite the same category, but it's an example where, um, you know, th there is a moral issue that you know has been translated into law without actual you know criminality being you know being proven um and i think that you know the the child sex spots you know uh, can be like a can be justified in in a similar way you know that they are even if they they don't harm anyone they're just offensive you know and um and what do you do if, like, someone is a father and has a young kid and also has that thing at home, you know? Or or someone is a teacher of young kids and has that, that robot at home. And how far are we going, you know, are, are we going to, like, trust the human mind to make that, you know, dualistic difference between thing and human when they talk of those things, uh, you know, in uh, with, when they give those things names and personalities and voices and genders, right? So either keep it looking like, um, you know, s s strange, <laughs> you know, inhuman, non-human, <laughs> um, and and not humanize it, or 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 don't kid us and tell us that. Um, you know, this is a machine when it suits you, and then it's like Samantha, you know, whose feelings are hurt and who's, who got a boo-boo. <laughs> Roboticists, you know, are arguing that all these sex bots serve a greater good and they're socially beneficial, and it's like, you know, giving methadone to a heroin addict, and, you know, and then they say, you know, we have to test this hypothesis before we take any action. Um but it is very difficult to be tested because these are, you know, private. This is, you know, the 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 law, you know, privacy, the right to privacy kicks in, right? So who is investigating unless people volunteer? And then that cannot be quite trusted. No, and I think you're also getting out uh, or getting at kind of like this overarching theme of our conversation, which is, really just very simply put respect for humanity. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was a religion major in undergrad and we talked a lot about some of uh, the con Confucian principles that pretty much, you know, still reign and uh, just our morals and values were taught when we're very young. And one of those things is, you know, humanity and living creatures should be above all. You know, we should respect hum humanity and all living things above all. And when you have something as complex as a robot coupled with AI technology, 
and you know you you make them look human they feel human they they talk to you you develop this relationship with them especially in the case of something as like intimate as like the experience of sex i mean that that is you know the utmost disrespect to humanity because you're going to be exhibiting behavior to these robots that is just going to desensitize you i mean i i think of it even though there's not a lot of data regarding these sex robots you know just think about a lot of people talk about you know video games and violence and how you know video games lead to uh desensitization mm-hmm. or you know if you abuse your dog you're more likely to abuse your child and your wife mm-hmm. um you know these are all things that studies have shown are frequently linked so i don't think it's much of a logical jump to think that abusing a robot that is created to be mm-hmm. as close to human as mm-hmm. possible mm-hmm. i mean it is just i think it's a gateway to all the wrong things right it kind of like you know it weakens our, our empathy right like it it makes us uh, you know we can i mean the the people who you know engage in this especially regularly undergo like an emotional hardening I imagine, right? So they can become more callous toward human suffering because they've been practicing on like mock humans. And and so they are more likely, you know, if, if you get used to indulging, you know, your darkest fantasies and desires in virtual world, and then you can do it maybe in some form of meta, um, and then you can also have the, you know, the robot, uh, you know, interaction, um and you know these robots you know then give you like the tactile part of what you know the emotional and the and the and the psychological um you know replication is virtually uh, in those in you know in these games and whatever then overall it seems to me you know we are evolving toward away away from empathy and you know toward some sort of like sclerotic um you know sclerosis basically of the things that you say are you know define our humanity you know and what's interesting here is that it's these things these aspects of us that ai can never replicate right like it's our faith in in, in god our our awe in in nature our are uh, you know the sense that the, the way that we can be transported outside of ourselves you know through some sort of like immersion in our n- natural senses these Definitely. are the things that we can hardly put in words i mean you can hear how i i, I have to stop and, and try not to speak in metaphor is difficult <laughs> um but th- they are real and they and they define us as humans and they cannot be replicated so you know this process of 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 let's say hardening is kind of like evolving us away from those and those are our primal instincts right our our, our primal instincts are not simply that we want to like you know hunt and gather and and mate and and eat and drink our our, our primal instincts are are like i think a plethora 
of 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 uh, languages that we inherited, you know, from our ancestors who lived for millions and millions of years before, you know, we became uh, conscious, right? I mean, consciousness is only like maybe four to six thousand years old. It's very young. <laughs> so all these, you know, eons before we communicated, you know, with with messages and feelings and sounds and and body language and and you know senses right that's all in us already and it's becoming weaker and weaker because we're emphasizing language so much um especially now with the internet where everything you know seems to be written around us um but the things that we're discussing now are taking us way further in that direction which I don't think it's a direction that supports the survival of the species, right? <laughs> like- definitely, definitely not. I mean, I think <laughs> I think that the way that we use technology and the way that we create and use robots is really going to be a reflection on our own morality. And you know, for for years, for centuries, for decades, for you know, for as long as you know our humanity has become civilized, there are certain things that we do just out of morality. Uh-huh. You know, like the passing of legislation, uh, you know, barring the desecration of a corpse, or you know, there's a lot of people who are you know want to prevent cruelty to animals mm-hmm. you know which is a different because you know they're also living things mm-hmm. but there are species that you know we tend to have still some disconnect and we don't really understand them fully but there's parts of us that recognizes that you know we want to prevent cruelty to animals oh 100 <laughs> percent. and um when you think about that you know that really reflects on us and it kind of goes into this bigger question on you know how should robots be treated how is that going to reflect on us and it's not limited to these sex robots but you know even if you just had you know the one of those servant robots that you see in the movie that bring you your coffee in the morning clean up after you i mean are we going to treat those robots as if they are slaves? You know, these are all dangerous ideas that we need to consider because I think that when we do have social robots enter our lives, we do have to treat them with some level of respect as you would for property. But I think it's a very fine balance because you don't want to be desensitized but you also don't want to strain human relationships more than they already have been by technology yeah yeah i yeah i agree yeah did you i don't know if we if i if i told you this but uh i I don't and i don't know if you watched him but there was this uh, engineer in google who uh, actually like broke the secrecy and came I watched out, it. Right? That yeah. robots have consciousness? Yep. They, Google developed an AI, mm-hmm. according to this uh, whistleblower, mm-hmm. that 
they created an AI that is sentient. Mm -hmm, exactly. That's what the, the word he used. And he also, you know, called the, the robot uh, by, by a human name uh, and said, you know, it's a person. I, don't, I forget if it was a he or a she. <laughs> um, I would call it an it. But, you know, the Google engineer said, you know, she, she's a person because she's sentient. But the example he gave was that he asked the robot, you know, if I do this for you, what would you do? No, would you do this for humans if they asked? And the robot said, uh, I wouldn't uh, unless there was something in it for me. Why would I do what I'm told if there is nothing in it for me? And that was how the the you know the engineer realized. Oh wait, you know this robot has a sense of self, right? Sentient. <laughs> but no, that that was I, I watched a podcast where uh, the whistleblower mm -hmm. was interviewed, uh -huh. and I think he said something that was very interesting that kind of connects to our conversation. Mm -hmm. Is after he figured out that this AI was sentient. He asked the AI, you know, how would you like me, you know, to regard you? How would, what do you prefer when I, you know, perform these studies on you and run data tests? And one of the things that the AI requested was please ask for my consent before you perform any tests. Yeah. Please ask for my consent before you do anything. Wow. And I think that goes back to these robots. I mean, are we going to start implementing AI that is so advanced that it prefers consent? Yeah. And then, I mean, I don't know about you, but like I think of like the war of, you know, humans against robots. <laughs> you know, that's the next thing. Wait, if they're, <laughs> if they're no longer doing what people tell them to do, people who purchase them, if, you know, for the express reason of having them like do things for them. And, and what's the, you know, what happens? Like the re rebellion of the robots. <laughs> if we're hey, not... <laughs> that's why. No, and that's why I was saying, you know, I, I, I think that, as humans, um, we need to figure out what that line is mm -hmm. where we're going to be treating these robots with some level of respect, mm -hmm. but not enough respect where we get confused mm -hmm. for our connection between the robot and ourselves as one with humans. Mm -hmm. And I think that's going to be the key because, you know, these robots are entering our lives in various different ways. It's not limited to sex. There are different service robots. We have robots in manufacturing. We have robots for all different purposes. And, you know, before you know it, we're going to become as dependent as we are on a robot as we are our phones. Yeah. So we need to figure this out now. And I'm not sure if lawmakers should be getting involved. They probably should to some extent. But, you know, then it raises the question, you know, Will the government be using data collected by these robots or will manufacturers or who is going to be using this data? And I mean, data is, you know, that's that's a whole other podcast episode that we can go on about. But, um, you know, these are all valid concerns. And I think some of the roboticists that are, you know, researching and doing writing are definitely doing some of their due diligence. But it would be great to see some lawmakers up there. Uh, you know, making an argument on, you know, behalf of our legislators. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and I think a very, you know, like, you know, the, the very start of this is 
how far do we want to allow uh, you know robots to become you know virtually indistinguishable from from humans right like what is the the positive effect from making these robots look like beautiful humans instead of alien objects that perform the same tasks but don't look like anything humanizable right so i think that that's you know that's where i would begin um and and i think i know the answer to that because mm -hmm. these manufacturers know that through data you know the more human a robot looks like the more you're going to connect with that robot and the more you're going to trust that robot and i do think that these manufacturers who are collecting data i mean he, he, let's let's think about what what are, what are one of the main reasons that you know Google and all these different companies want to collect our data is so that they can use it for, you know, targeted advertising. And I think that, you know, there's going to be this, you know, major increase of people purchasing these robots. And then all of a sudden they're going to be getting this like sub subliminal messaging, subliminal advertising at the end of the day, manufacturers are going to make the most money off of that human connection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I personally am against, uh, against all of it. I, I, you know, I find all these sex dolls as, you know, as a feminist, I just find them offensive. I, you know, I, I look at one and my stomach turns, right? So, um, I mean, I, you know, I have thought about the history of, of art, you know, uh, from the beginning of time on like prehistoric caves um, <laughs> to like the earliest idols and the earliest, you know, frescoes to all through like the history of painting, you know, how in, in its core, it's just about the representation of like the fer fertile, you know, feminine, you know, the, the mystery of what woman is, which is really the mystery of nature, the mystery of procreation. Um, and it just seems that there was already something, you know, deeply, of you know, uh, deeply objectifying and 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 almost like self-exiling for 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 us as women, because we are part of that culture and we use you know we see things through that culture and we speak the language of the culture, so we inevitably adopt this kind of like this you know, adopt this enforced distance from ourselves, you know, from our embodied selves. Uh, we see ourselves as if we're looking from the, you know, through the male gaze at ourselves. But then, you know, when you see these objects that are indistinguishable, um, yeah, it, it just, you know, makes me uh, worry for the future of, you know, human sexuality, for sure. <laughs> but also, you know, human relations, maybe, you know, and human, as, as, as we're talking now, you know, human ethics, right? It is definitely an ethical dilemma that, um, you know, that will have to be, um, un, you know, untangled or, or somewhat, you know, enforced. You know, something's going to have to happen. So if someone cannot come up with a persuasive answer, then I think that um, it will be good to ask our representatives to act for now before it's, you know, before it's too late and we're overtaken by 
all of these uh, you know practices and cross well not cross species but cr- you know machine and, and and human you know like crazy interactions right which to me like feel like insanity like that's one of the places where you know mass madness <laughs> can, can begin you know when we stop knowing like wh- who is human and who is not <laughs> oh definitely i mean even when you just think of you know the 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 lack of legislation when it comes to pornography and how you know pornography uh, arguably has been a net negative for humanity and you know mm-hmm. people and you know maybe some of that could have been prevented you know whether it's you know the lack of legislation of you know actors in pornography the kinds of pornography that's available how easily accessible it is um you know like you brought up anybody can stumble across pornography you know very young children can stumble across it on accident i mean it's that accessible mm-hmm. um so you it, it almost leads me to think you know legislators and lawmakers should learn from this and you know a lot of conservative lawmakers seem to have you know special interest in what they deem as sexually immoral and i'm surprised that i haven't heard from any you know conservative uh, politicians about this because this seems to be of something they would directly be concerned about yeah yeah well they they haven't been able to do anything about big tech big tech anyway so this is part of that whole world and yeah we'll, it depends you know citizens united is there so it's really hard <laughs> to, <laughs> to you know to fight against big money um without you know without like an outrage you know without uh, people you know taking to the streets basically and demanding something you know mm-hmm. um but it's well it's here i think the future is now <laughs> as they used to say in the 60s the future is now <laughs> again <laughs> yeah and we got to think about our relationship to all the machines that surround us you know what if they were all humanized what would be happening to us <laughs> uh i don't think we'd leave our homes yeah exactly exactly yeah and that you know that means that like we each have to buy everything you know have a separate home everybody have all the things you know we can't share there is like no share economy right so mm-hmm. um you got to consume even more you you know you lose yourself in like the many of consumption yeah you live to purchase <laughs> it's a manufacturer's dream yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's not pretty. But, you know, I strongly believe um, that nature will win, it will prevail in the end, and that the people of nature, you know, the naturalists will be there and, you know, will survive. And the people who go too deeply into this, like, you know, monoculture <laughs> and digital culture will just not have the skills then they, you know, to survive like a climate crisis or whatever. They will not know what to do. And, you know, their nature can create circumstances where your money will not be of use to you, right? So she has that power. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I, I, I am a, 
I'm not too worried about the robot revolution as, you know, I know a lot of people are because at the end of the day, you know, at least my understanding of robotics is that, you know, we can get extremely close, but it will never be the human experience. And that's why we're alive. That's what we're naturally attracted to. I mean, we were just discussing about how, you know, uh, the use the, one of our major concerns of you know childlike sex robots and you know robots that are made to create rape fantasies is that they are going to one day you know not be enough and then they recreate that on a real living person and you know that extremely you know negative case scenario i think also applies to other things you know you may have a social robot in your house that you talk to every day and you have conversation with but it's not going to, you know, elicit the same emotional feelings of friendship or companionship that you're going to have with a real person. So I do think I agree with you. I think nature will ultimately win. I think the, the, the main concern is, you know, human laziness and human dependence. So I, oh. I hope that I hope that us as humans don't get too lazy or dependent on technology uh, because I think the you know, human experience and our relationships with other people is arguably the most important part of life. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming, Alexis. Beautiful, beautiful closing. <laughs> and everyone oh, out thank there, you for having me. thank you for listening. Uh, and until next week. Keep speaking humanity. <laughs> Love you. If I could make love incessantly, I would be God.